Welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. I'm Peter Bregman, your host and CEO of Bregman Partners. This podcast is part of my mission to help you get massive traction on the things that matter most. We are lucky enough to have with us today Byron Katie. If you don't know her, you should. I picked up her book many years ago, Loving What Is. And to be honest, I picked it up and I read the first few pages and and it scared me. And I you know, I feel a little uh silly and certainly vulnerable sharing that, but it scared me enough that I stopped reading it. And and the the simple reflection of the thinking about and accepting life as it is is actually kind of scary and was scary to me. And and so I stopped reading it. And then uh about a month ago I was fortunate enough to be in a workshop with Katie and and that's how she's known as from her last name Katie. And it was really kind of amazing and and I actually have to admit also that I started um with a little bit of cynicism in the workshop kind of feeling like well it's these questions and and you know how how does a couple of questions really make a big difference but um but the workshop was really powerful and since then I have found myself I don't know how many times, maybe 30 times over the past month thinking specifically about the work that I did with her and and the messages that she shares and the very very simple questions that can impact our lives very deeply. So, um I I'm I'm very excited to have uh you on the show. Uh Katie, welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with you today. So so why don't we You know I I I so enjoyed your presence on um, in the workshop and um it it is <laughs> so every time I would look over you I felt some kind of delight and um we we probably have the same focus. I love that. And I think we do in many ways and I love that you felt that. Thank you. Um why don't you start for people who don't know your work with sharing the basic idea behind it or the basic uh questions that you ask people to ask and maybe a little background on you so that they have a sense as to where this came from. Well, it's it's um on um, my work as I say it that way because it I I found it in a moment of um of of or I could say after more than a decade of tremendous suffering and agoraphobia and and a lot of confusion, depression, and one morning as i lay sleeping on the floor and um, i actually a cockroach crawled over my foot and i opened my eyes and i woke up in two ways i woke up from sleeping the way we all do every morning and i woke up and all the darkness was gone the depression was completely gone and i saw in that moment that when i believed my thoughts i suffered and when i don't believe them i don't suffer and i've come to see that this is true for every human being and not to know doesn't mean we're stupid it just leaves room for wisdom and it's that that space where we don't need to know because everything everything we need to know is it's here right here right now and there's no mystery to it and 
it's really exciting um, to live in the present without guessing the future, and or at least to be awake to that as we're guessing the future, even if it's a nanosecond ahead of us. But um, I saw in that moment, um, um, to repeat myself, that when I believe my thoughts, I suffered, and when I don't, I don't. You know, when I don't believe it, I don't. And and it was as though my children stopped recognizing me. My husband stopped recognizing me. It was the same body, but and it was an entire. It was a. It was. Um, I. <laughs> it was. I was into inquiry. I was questioning everything, and it was silent. And I really. Um, people began to ask me, what is this dramatic shift? What's happened to you? And and they wanted to know, they, they authentically wanted to know. So I would ask them to put their thoughts on paper and I would sit with them and then we would question them. And the first thought is, is it true? What you're believing, identify it and then get very still and ask yourself, is it true? For example, um, um, he doesn't care about me. Is it true? And then just get really still and notice, you know, those stories of um, those images and stories of past, future, and just notice, go beyond all of that. And is it true? He doesn't care about me. I'll put it here. And then can I absolutely know that it's true? And you you just alluded to something that I think was very profound for me uh, as a takeaway over the weekend, which was you're not asking these questions to answer them quickly. You're asking them to sit with them and to allow the answers to become clear to you. And there's this profound difference between asking a question and answering it really quickly versus answering it and sitting and go, is it really true that, you know, what I'm thinking? Is is it really true that he doesn't like me or is it really true? And, And a different answer often appears. And it is so much fun. You know, it's just everything I thought I knew I didn't know. And it was it was just so much fun to see how do you live out of that? You know, how do how do you live out of that? But you know, in this I discovered the universe is friendly, so it was a great help. Um who was it? Um um Einstein or Socrates, one of them said, you know, the the um most important thing to understand, the most important question to answer is, is the universe friendly? And I just kind of fell into that. And whether it is or not, I'm still testing after 30 years. So, Well, and I think that's part of the fear that I had when I first read the book or tried to read the book, which is, I don't know that I was convinced that it was friendly and that if I really allow myself to allow myself to put myself in the hands of the universe in a sense, I'm a little afraid of what that's going to look like. And I think I walk through life with some illusion that I can control the outcomes in my life in a sense. And I know that I can work hard to move things in a certain direction, but I think there's a line between the work that we do and the outcomes that we control. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the, the truth is I, um, I am as capable as I am, and I live my life out of that, so there's no failing. I just get to see what I'm capable of and uh, live out of that mystery, and there's nothing to stop me 
So basically, I'm living a fearless life. And that's what I invite the world to. You know, when we're fearful, we make, um, not only is it uncomfortable, and it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's another way to live. And so, you know, millions of people are doing this work on the planet now. It's just uh, four simple questions. It's inquiry, and it is meditation. It takes stillness mindfulness, you know, by whatever name, and um, and in that, you know, we just blow our own minds until eventually it's an ongoing, and as I, I, I said earlier, it's, it's like an ongoing, nonstop, silent way of life, even when you're talking. And it requires a deep sense of curiosity, I think. It, yeah, I think so. You know, and, 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 and if you put your, your, yourself into that curious place like a child, oh, it was it was brilliant. It was wonderful. It was and and so I live at seventy three years old. I'll be seventy four, I think, next month. But um, I I feel like a child. It's just you know I just feel like a child. I have no idea what's you know. Am I going to? Um, Oh, you know, there, there's there's so much in that space. I I just let life show me rather than guess. Yeah, and and I think um, you know, along with the curiosity, it also seems like, and you're demonstrating it. And this is the part where I was a little fearful, but it, it does take some courage to question thoughts that you may have had for decades that you may have built your identity on that you have defended, you know, with the full power of your capability. And, and it takes a lot of courage to say, you know, I've always thought this. I've always felt this. I, I, this is who I believe myself to be. And yeah. is it true? Yes. Yes. And, you know, every time someone sits in this meditation, this inquiry, the identity shifts. And so we don't have to fear it. It shifts on its own. And it's always kinder. It's always wiser always safer. But yes, the ego will say, you know, oh, you know, this is good enough for me. It's safe. Well, we have to be willing to be wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's exciting to be wrong when um, you notice that what you're believing is stressful. I love that. So, so we, we got to two of the four questions. The first question is, is it true? The second question mm-hmm. you said is, you know, are you sure like, do you know, if, if, you're, mm-hmm. if your first question, if you answer your first question, yes, it's true, then the second question is, let's think about that again, right? Are we, are, you yeah. know, are we certain that it's true? And then yeah. your third question. It's notice how you react when you believe the thought. So if I had the thought, he doesn't care about me, how do I react when I believe the thought? Well, I go to that situation where I was believing it in my mind's eye, and I close my eyes, and I'm just there in that situation with him, and he doesn't care about me. How do I react when I believe the thought? And I see that my my speech may be, um, you know, what would it be for you? Um, if I believe that someone doesn't like me, I will not be vulnerable with them. I will not take risks with them. I will not let them know what I'm really thinking. I will protect myself from being hurt. Um, I will uh, align myself with with people who I think do like me because that'll feel safer. If, if I really go down to like a deep, dark uh, part of me that I don't really want to look at, um, I might do things to get other people around him or to like me so that 
um, I feel safer and that they align with me instead of him, which could end up doing a lot of destruction to him and to the environment and to me and to and, everybody. And, and, to our, and to us, because yeah. people really see through that. It's our own delusion we're, we're living in. And, and also, we begin to seek, and I believe he doesn't care about me, I begin the next time I see him, I begin to seek his love, approval, and appreciation. And I become this identity that is not I. Right. So if he um, um, doesn't buy that, then I have to, you know, maybe ramp it up or just, just you know, not say the kindest things about him after that or at least think um, unkind thoughts about it. So I don't know him, don't know me. And, um, and anytime I hold on it, you know, if he says, I really like you, I really like you. You know, I'm not going to believe it because I'm believing my thoughts. I'm not necessarily going to believe that. And one reason for that is he is liking an identity that I am portraying, not I, not I. Which makes so you I, more, which makes you even more uh, insecure about you, about who you yeah. are. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're this identity that you're creating in order to get him to like you and it works then you begin to trust your identity of who you actually are, whoever that is, even less. So we've talked about the, the first three questions, right? Which are, is it true? Are you sure that it's true? How do you react when you believe this thought? What's the fourth question? Who would you be without the thought? In that situation where you're believing he doesn't care about you, who would you be without the thought? And then that really requires stillness, just to be there and witness as though you did not believe that and just witness you witness that person witness the situation and it's just so it's so profound if if a person can, you know the work is a practice and um it's 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 a practice that i invite people to you know every morning or or in in you know when when they can as often as possible, it it's um, it'll shift your life so radically that it's um, it's it's so simple and so powerful, and anyone with an open mind can do it. So just that space of who would I be without my story, and, just in that moment. And it's interesting because I think you know a month ago, if I were to ask that question the way I would answer it would be, who would I be without this thought means who would I be with the thought that he likes me? But I think a more profound answer is who would I be without that thought at all? Meaning it doesn't matter whether he likes me or not. Like that worrying at all about whether somebody likes me yeah, in and of itself is not a useful thought. Just notice purely who would you be without the thought, without replacing the thought with anything. Right. Now, I, here's some questions that I have as, as I think about this. Um, one is I could go through that process and say, okay, he doesn't care about me. Is it true? No, it's probably not true. Or maybe I think at first it's true and then I say, is it really true? And I think, you know, it's probably not true. And here's what would happen if I act in, you know, based on that thought. But even if I can... Or, or, or more, it's like, how do I react? How do I, I react? Believe? So we're really witnessing that moment in time and just witnessing it. And it's showing us who we are without the thought. 
We don't have to answer the question. It's already there if we just get still and witness. And witness what we're do, how we are reacting to, yes. to that thought. Yes, how we reacted in that specific situation when we were believing it. And get in touch with those emotions. They're huge. They're, ah. Oh. So that's the question that I want to ask you, which is that I could think, you know, this is, this is a problem with my thinking. One of the things you said is I've never seen a work or money problem that doesn't turn out to be a thinking problem, right? And I would agree with you. But there's the emotional side of it too, which is that I could say and I could think that through and realize that no, there's, there's, you know, it's not, it's not, I have no evidence for the fact that it's true that he doesn't like me. And yet I could still feel slighted. I could still feel insecure about it. That's, but in that situation, we had all the proof. And when we're meditating on it now, we can see, you know, on, um, we're we're visualizing the situation just the way it was and letting it again show us the answers so can we resolve these issues that are feelings of fear or guilt or insecurity at the level of thinking like do, do we have to involve the emotions in a certain way or you're saying meditation well, itself involves you, emotions? i can tell you i do because emotions are on they're like that they're, that's what um, alerts me to I'm out of my integrity. So how do I react? What happens when I believe the thought? The first place I go is the emotional. And if it helps people, some people like to say, how does it feel when I believe that thought? And how do I react? Because how do I react? You know, it's, it's emotional first. And can we change our thoughts like that? I mean, can we sort of say, okay, you know what? I don't have any evidence for the thought, so I'm going to stop thinking it. Can we do that with our minds? Well, um, I'm, um, I haven't, I was going to say I haven't tried that, but for me, it's, for me, it wouldn't work. It's, we believe our thoughts or we question them. There is no other choice. And the life of a believer is hard. Right. It is difficult. And it is a life of confusion and heartbreak and regret. Right. And so we're not saying I'm going to change the thought. We're just saying, we're asking ourselves some questions that could lead us to recognize that those thoughts are not only not true, but not helpful. Yeah, this is the opposite of manip manipulating our thought. We're just testing. Oh, that's profound. So so in reality, when we're living this belief that we've had or story that we've had forever, that's actually manipulating our thoughts. Well, uh, we're believing them. So we're really not manipulating in one way we are. You know, we're, we've gone from the innocent to the confused. But um, yeah, I'm not, you know, if, I, if I'm believing something, I'm completely innocent because it's just like if my mother said, um, um, Byron Katie, um, or if, if my mother said, this is a tree and I'm just a little child and, um, and I don't even know what she's talking about. I haven't learned to speak or, or really think like that. And she says, it's a tree. And she continues. And then my maybe one of my siblings says, oh, look at the tree. And maybe my father says, look at the tree. And, and 
in in just in a moment, the moment I see the tree, I have believed it's a tree. So we have to we have to believe it before we can even see it. So we have really created this the the, the whole world, our world, our individual world. So um, and then who was I? Who am I just prior to believing it's a tree? I was okay. Right. <laughs> there was no catastrophe. And then I believed. So, you know, I believed it's a tree. I literally believed a tree in. That's pretty powerful. And that's what we're dealing with. The mind is the creator of all. It's the creator of everything. So it's only right that we would get to know it a little better and, and question that identity, which is to say to question what created what is cre what is holding that identity in place and to see things for what they really are as opposed to sort of the social mm -hmm. cultural linguistic yes. context that we put them in yeah right yeah wow yeah um i had a thought um which is that i i did a worksheet a, a, a sort of short version of a worksheet um, that I filled out the questions to, and I thought maybe we could run through it as, a, as an example for people. Good. And, and for your viewers that, don't, um, that aren't aware of what is a worksheet, if you go to the work.com to how to do the work, then it's free. You just push. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just push print, and it's yours. So that's um, what we're looking at, about to look at. And it's a great process. So, so the worksheet... In, in the first sentence, and I'm going to use a different name here uh, just so that I don't implicate anybody. Um, in, in the first question is, in this situation, who angers, confuses, saddens, or disappoints you and why? And I wrote, I am, is this how you want me to go through it? I'll just run through. Yes. So, so the worksheet says, you know, identify a situation in time that um, was upsetting for you, basically. So I said, I'm disappointed with Ralph who cancels our meetings. Okay. And what is the situation? Are you on the phone? So, Are you? Yeah. The situation is I'm on the phone and I set up, uh, I have coaching calls with him. Ralph is a senior person in an organization. And um, the situation that I'm helping him with is a challenging situation. It's hard for him. It's hard for the company. And uh, I, 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 I believe that I could be helpful and he says that I could be helpful, but he's so uh, overwhelmed with what's going on that he uh, ends up having to cancel for, you know, good reasons in a sense. He's doing, in doing important work. I don't think he's avoiding me. I know he's not avoiding me. And, and cause we're texting and we're emailing, but things come up that capture his time. And, and the thought that goes through my head is if only, I could get some of his time, we could get ahead of this, but I have yeah. no leverage. If I can't get his time at all, then I'm, then I'm feeling helpless and I can't help him. And so I'm disappointed with that. Okay. So the situation is you're on the phone with him and he is canceled. Exactly. And you hang up the phone. Okay. So, and, and reads uh, statement number one again. So I am disappointed with Ralph. He cancels our meetings because he cancels our meetings. <laughs> So he cancels your meeting before they Is happen, that... right? We have a meeting scheduled and he cancels the meeting before it happens. 
Okay, so he cancels the meeting. Right. Can you absolutely know that it's true that he cancels the meetings? Because you had an S on that. It was more than one meeting. Right. Um, okay, and you're on the phone. He cancels it. You hang up. He cancels the meetings. Yeah. Is it true? So now the answer is either yes or no. It's one syllable, whatever it right. is. So <laughs> this is where meditation comes in because the ego is going to want to justify, right. defend its position, right. and you know hold that identity. So it takes still. So this is great. He he. The, the answer is no. It's not true. What is true is that he cancels some of our meetings, but he does not cancel all of our meetings. So it's not true he cancels the meetings. Yeah, I guess it depends on what we mean by the, you know, or meetings. Well, you, you just described right. what, you mean, what you meant by it. Yeah, so I did so it, globalize it. I was thinking, I was thinking it, is, it is true that he has canceled some meetings, but it is not at all true that he cancels all of our meetings. Okay, so he cancels the meetings. And, you know, we can... You can, the more worksheets you do, the more clear, the clearer you get in the way you write them. Mm -hmm. And it's a little clumsy at first. And it's very obvious to any of us, you know, listening to this, but we're going to stick with it. So he cancels the meetings. Now, the third question, there are only four. Notice as you meditate on that moment in time, hanging up the phone, he canceled the meeting. How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought he cancels the meetings? So I, uh, I think I get, um, I think in honesty, there's a number of things that happen. I get. So you, are you seeing it visually? Yeah. And you're there? Yeah. At the phone? Okay. And you're seeing images of past and future? Right. Okay. And, and yeah, so I, and you're feeling emotions. Mm -hmm. So some of the emotions that I'm feeling are, um, two simultaneous things, one about him and one about me. The one about me that I'll own first is I, I feel a sense of, you know, I could help him. Doesn't he know how good I am and how helpful I can be and I'm going to help so him out of this into the future on and you see you with him and how helpful you can be so you're watching that image and then you feel the emotions right okay so now images of past future so what are the images of past you're thinking and believing when you're when you've hung up the phone and you're thinking the thought um, the, well, the, the, uh, let me think about this. The images of past, um, it might be that, uh, other people who have not had time to show up to our meetings have, um, struggled to succeed in the situations that they're in, that, that it's it's been a sign to me that if they don't have time to stop and think about the situation that they're facing, that they um, won't be able to get out of the overwhelm that they're in that's causing the situation that they're facing. Yeah. 
And so you're seeing those situations where if they had worked with you, it could have been prevented. Right. And, you, and you're, you're, you're witnessing that in your mind's eye out of experience. Right. So you're witnessing that past. You're witnessing that future. Now get in touch with your emotions. You've hung up the phone. You're seeing those images of past, future. You're putting those thoughts onto it. So I feel fear. I feel fear for him. I feel fear for me. I feel fear for our work together. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the predominant emotion. Yeah. And then the mind goes into, I'm going to lose him as a client. Right. And we could have done so well if he had not. It's just, and then the emotions that go with that. Okay. Now you, you've just hung up the phone. <clears throat> so close your eyes. And where are you? Physically, you hang up the phone. Who would you be without the thought? He cancels. I I think I would be um, without that thought. Okay, you don't have to think. You're right. You know, just witness. Where is the phone that you just hung up? It's right here on the desk. Okay, so you're at your desk. Okay, close your eyes and look around. Are you okay? Fine. Other than what you're thinking and believing, is everything fine? Everything's fine. Everything, okay. So he he cancels the meetings, turn it around. What is the opposite? He doesn't? He doesn't cancel the meetings. Okay, so now you begin to get in touch with reality where... There are times he has made the meeting. Right. So then you can just, you know, settle into that because you're 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 getting in touch with the truth, whereas the ego would have it like always and forever, even though you know better, that's the experience, one of loss. Right. So he doesn't cancel the meetings and you're getting in touch with those and it'll show you so much. It will show you so much. Uh, <laughs> clearer communication with a client for one thing. Right. Yeah. Like already we've learned, you know, the, the next time he or anyone cancels a meeting like that, you can say it's, you know, I understand and that's fine for now. And it's my experience that as your um, what consultant, as your consultant, it really puts me at, um, you know where I'm going with this, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it puts me at a disadvantage. It puts you at a disadvantage. And then you can give um, an example of where that has really cost someone in business a big deal. But it would you would only say these things if it were appropriate to the case. Right. And actually it, you know, I to to I mean I, I did this worksheet to give you an example of kind of how it played out, which is that I did ask the questions. And you actually helped me see something I wasn't seeing about meetings versus just this meeting, but I did. And and I didn't I, I actually um, thought about it enough or felt it enough or meditated on it enough that it became, you know, very clear to me 
where my commitment was that, that it, yes, I had fears and I don't like to lose clients and I don't, but ultimately I really want him to succeed. And that's the, yeah, that's the, and he's having trouble keeping these phone meetings. And so what I ended up doing as a result of that process is texting him and saying, let's have our next meeting in person and let's make it an hour. And when can I come to see you? And he gave me a date and a time. And that's the meeting that we're having right after this call. That is so good. Um, So it, but it, it allowed me not to make a big deal about it for myself and not to go on a whole thing about clients who don't listen. It's none of of that. Otherwise we can just fall down the rabbit hole and give up on that client because we're believing our thoughts when that is a client worth saving, worth giving everything you've got to. Right. And, and in that, you know, it, 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 um, it gives you a life worth living as well. Really high product, high production. Let's look at statement two. Um, statement two was in this situation. You know, he, he cancels the meetings. Let's, let's put it, let's put it back to you and just feel that he cancels the meetings with me turned around. I cancel our meetings. Yeah. I cancel our meetings. So where do you cancel meetings? Maybe with your children, with your family somewhere, with your toothbrush in the morning. Where, where is it that you cancel meetings? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a great turnaround. And it's not just cancel meetings. As, as you see, I mean, as I go down the list of the things, I, I, one of the things I say is he should. He should show up on time. He should. And to be honest, and I say this with, again, some, some reticence having written a book about managing time, that I'm often late. <laughs> I'm often late to. You know, it doesn't to matter things. how many books we write. You know, we're all still growing. Right. We're, you know, we're all we're all still growing. Right. So I was watch. I was reading this, and I was thinking. You know, I, I make decisions all the time about this is more important than that. Even if I have a commitment, that I then yeah. you know kind of break very uh, politely and clearly, and I communicate about it and everything, but. I don't always show up when and where I'm supposed to show up. I tell people ahead of time, but he tells me ahead of time too. But we yeah. we make these choices and priorities. So I absolutely do that. So now the phone call is becoming, you know, he called to cancel the meeting and and your production is, you know, it can just just go to the sky, you know, from what you're learning about his cancellation. So there's no meeting, there's no telephone call, there's, you know, everything is here to show us, to teach us, to enlighten us. So, so not only is this helping me in terms of how I show up for him in a way where I'm not overreacting to something that's not actually happening, but I can also look at something for myself and say, you know, by Always. definition, if I have an emotion about something that somebody else is doing, that it's a mirror about something that I have an opportunity with myself. Yeah. Right. That has absolutely been true in my life. And when we get still in this process, just this, we're meditating on this specifically, this work, you know, I refer to it as checkmate, this inquiry, these four questions. And it's, um, it really enlightens us and it takes the fear out of life and, and, Oh my goodness! It's 
we're not tired when we go to sleep at night you know i mean we're not exhausted we're just really sleepy i mean it's just an authentic vibe and and this is actually one of the um insights that i had in in our work together which is that the questions don't solve every problem in the way that i want them to solve every problem it doesn't create the precise outcomes that I'm always looking for creating in my version of the world in which I can control every outcome. But it reduces a tremendous amount of suffering because the suffering is in the disconnect between, you know, reality and what I would like reality to be. And that when we're able to, to reduce the dissonance between what I would like reality to be and what reality is in that moment, we also reduce suffering. We absolutely do. And that's where we begin to really begin to trust that it is a friendly universe, that it's always giving, it's never taking away. But what if I'm constantly not getting the outcomes that I want? How do I still see the universe as a friendly universe? Well, I would simply um, sit down and do the work, you know, just question the thoughts that I'm thinking that would lead me to believe that, you know, just situation by situation. Again, it's a practice and it's a meditative practice and um, it's not for everyone, but the benefits are, are um, immeasurable. And so in effect, the benefits of the work or the outcome of the work is that we, um, we begin to see things as they are as opposed to how they should be. One of the things that you always say is what makes you think they should be that if that's not what they are, then they shouldn't be that. You know, there's something way off here and it's always me if I'm not in alignment with reality. And if I don't love it, then I'm going to suffer. It's like a contest. I am going to run this world and it's going to be the way I want, or I'm going to tantrum to my deathbed. And even sadness is a tantrum. It's a minor tantrum, but it's still the war with reality. That's interesting. I mean, won't we always feel sadness? Um, you know, it's a it's a heartfelt emotion, and still, it's it's the war with reality. Not right or wrong. I'm not saying it's it's wrong. It's it's um it's necessary until it's not. Is there a point at which sadness is not any more necessary? Yes. You know, sadness gets in my way. It's, I mean, it's just all about me and how I feel. It's like, let's say, um, when my mother died, you know, um, let's say I'm sad. I mean, she won't be here for me. Oh, I won't have her in my life. Oh, I loved her so much. Oh, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, that's confusion. But if I am, out of self and um, and you know if I turn it all those things around then you know you know and if I look at my children I have children grandchildren three children five grandchildren and and they don't have to live for me they don't have to be careful you know I don't I don't uh, because it's just all about me you know my, one of my um, one of my grandsons, when he's 22 now, but when he was a, a little guy, he was like two or three years old, and he fell down, and, and 
and um, and his little knee was bleeding, and um, and he looked up at me. I was there in his immediate um, vicinity, and and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I wasn't sad. I didn't react to anything because I didn't know if it hurt him. And prior to inquiry, I would think, oh, my gosh, there's blood. Oh, my goodness, honey. Oh, are you hurt? And let's do this and that. But I looked at him because he's the expert on his whole body. He's the whole expert on him, even at that age. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and and he just got up and started playing again. Right. And and so I, I trust that. Now, if he but were yeah, hurt, if he were hurt, if it did hurt him, would that make you sad? Then I show him, you know, I take care of it, and he learns how to do it, but without the fear. If he started crying, I'd say, oh, honey, does it hurt? And let's go take care of it. You know, do all the things that any kind human being would be just because we, we, um, <laughs> you know, I think I've said everything there. I, I trust him to know. Right. And you don't and necessarily carry it for the next 10 days going, oh, isn't that so terrible? And he hurt his knee and, and no one was watching him and this and that and this and that. Immediately I'm teaching him there's something wrong with falling. There's something wrong with blood. There's something wrong with this great knee and there's something wrong with him. Yeah. And then they don't know what that is. And, and we're, you know, after being, you know, like old enough to be a grandparent, so stuck in our ways of believing, you know, that without inquiry, we just leave it for them to believe or not believe. And I don't have to teach them fear. They'll get that from uh, their peers and other people. And, um, oh, my goodness, I have an amazing relationship with my children and grandchildren. They, um, they're always the wiser. They're, they're wiser than I am because I'm always learning from them. They're growing me, and um, they say I'm growing them, but um, they're, they're, they're grateful anyway. Yeah, it's, it's very, very powerful work. Um, Katie... Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I, I want uh, you to tell people where you mentioned it earlier, but I want you to say it again because, uh, you know, kind of where they could follow up and find out more information because this is truly a situation where you, you, talking about it is not nearly as interesting or useful as, as actually experiencing it. And that's why kind of I wanted to use me as an example here a little bit. But but where could they find again the worksheets, or where could they find out more information? You know, they can they can go to uh, on Instagram or uh, byronkatie.com or uh, Facebook. They can find me just about anywhere in social media. Okay, and we'll put some of those links into the into the show notes for people as well. That's great, Katie. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for sharing the work, and thank you for being on the Bregman Leadership Podcast. You're welcome, Peter. I hope it's valuable in some way. If you enjoyed this episode of the Bregman Leadership Podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about the Bregman Leadership Intensive, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit peterbregman.com. 
Thank you to Claire Marshall for producing this episode and to Brian Wood, who created our music. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next great conversation.